I love coming to the house of the Lord. And I love the Bible. I love all of the Bible. There are parts of it that's kind of spicy and hot, but it's really a good book. In fact, it's the only book that's going to take us into glory. Amen. And so we start a new series tonight on a place or hell is a place. And we need to understand that hell is truly a place. Amen. A lot of people don't want to believe in it. A lot of people just refuse to think about it. I remember years ago, I heard the story of a, a mother and daughter, and the daughter was getting pretty old, and she was getting to the place where uh, it looked like mother thought she had a daughter at home that was going to be an old maid. And she said to her daughter, you get out there and find you a man. And she got out and found her a man, and she come home and said, I have found me a man. He is handsome. He is rich. He is powerful. And he's my age. And, um, but mom, I've got a problem. She said, what's the problem? She said, well, he doesn't believe in hell. He just refuses to believe the Bible, refuses to believe in hell. And the daughter's mother said to her, you go ahead and marry him. We'll make him believe in hell. <laughs> Amen. And so that's probably true. I want you to open up your Bibles with me, please, to the book of Matthew chapter 25. I'm not going to spend a lot of time in detail about chapter 25. There are two verses that I want to bring out, verse 41 and verse 46, and then we're going to comment on this fact that hell is a place. Now, Jesus Christ said that hell is a literal place. In fact, Jesus Christ said, I believe it was 17 times, he mentioned the fact that hell is a place or it's real. 22 times in the New Testament, it mentions hell. And judgment, the New Testament mentions that more so than that. The theme of judgment is just permeating the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. But I want us to stop and think about this place called hell and, and just consider that if hell is a place, and it is, as the Scripture says, then we need to take it very, very seriously that we don't go there. I don't even want to visit the place. In fact, I don't want to be within a trillion miles of the city limits of the place. I don't want to even come near to the place called hell. But I want you to notice in verse 41 of Matthew 25, let's stand for the reading of God's word. And if you could pull me up a little bit in the monitors tonight. Verse 41, then shall he say unto them, this is Jesus speaking to them on his left hand, depart from me ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Drop down to verse 46. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. I want to use for a subject tonight, hell is a place. You may be seated. Jesus made descriptions of hell over and over in the Bible. He talked about it being a place of outer darkness. He talked about it being a place that was a place of 
wailing and gnashing of teeth. He talked about hell being a place of fire and brimstone, a place of separation, a place of agony, a place of thirst. He talked about it being like a furnace of fire, a raging inferno, a bottomless pit, an agonizing place of despair. He said it is so bad, according to St. Mark chapter 9, that you need to go to every length, every uh, means possible to avoid going to this place. For he said in Mark chapter 9 that if your eye offends thee, just pluck it out, cast it from you. If it's causing you to sin, just pluck it out. If your hand offend thee, cut it off. Better go into life with maimed body than into hellfire where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Talk about your foot, if it offends thee. Does that mean that Jesus taught physical bodily mutilation? No, he taught that it would be better if you did that than to go to the place called hell. Now we know that people's hands are handsy because they have a bad heart. We know people's words are vulgar because they have a bad heart. We know that people have a wondering eye. My grandma used to say, watch him he has a wondering eye. Now, you know what a wondering eye is? It's, the Bible says that men are full of lust. Their eyes are full of lust. Peter talked about how people would do things that because their hearts were evil. And so we know that sin is raging like a fire upon planet Earth. We know that Jesus used illustrations over and over again an everlasting fire, a fire that's not quenched, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched, constant roaring. John the Revelator said that Jesus gave him the words that Gehenna would be like a lake of fire. That when Jesus Christ returned to planet earth in the second coming at the end of the great tribulation, he would take the beast, which is a man, political man, antichrist. He'll take the false prophet, which is a man, a religious pervert and religious wicked man. And he'll take the beast and the false prophet in Revelation chapter 19 and cast them into the fire and brimstone. The next chapter, chapter 20 says he'll take the devil and he'll take that devil and cast him into the lake of fire. The last verse of chapter 20 of Revelation says, and whosoever is not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So the descriptions that Jesus Christ made was to warn us that you do not want to go to this place. It's a literal place. I simply want to make a few um, statements as we get into the message. We'll get into more depth in just a little bit. But there are those that believe that the fire is simply a symbol. There are those that believe that the, the furnace of fire, the raging fire, the everlasting fire, the eternal fire, the fire that shall not be quenched, the lake of fire, all those things are symbols. You know, the man that was in hell lifted up his eyes in Luke chapter 16, verse 19 and on, the rich man that found himself in hell. 
and lifted up his eyes and said, I thirst and I'm in torment in, the, in these flames. And he asked that if Lazarus could be allowed to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool his tongue for he was in torment in these flames. There are those that hold to the fact that this is just symbols, that Jesus Christ is just giving descriptions of how bad it would be to end up in this place called hell. That Jesus was just using symbols and descriptions to show us, to warn us that we would not come to this place of torment. There's been a lot of greats in the past that believe that it's just symbols. I'm sure you're familiar with the man named C.S. Lewis. He believed that the fires and the, and the thirst and the agony and the flames and all was just symbols. I'm sure you've heard of the man Billy Graham or the man John Calvin, or perhaps you've heard of Martin Luther. All four of those, along with hundreds and thousands of other preachers that believe that hell is so horrifying that these are just symbols that Jesus Christ is giving, a description in which we should avoid at all cost going to hell. Now, I believe that if it's symbols, then it's worse than the symbols. When you try to describe something by a symbol, it just means that you're taking a shot at it. It's much more beautiful, much more ugly, much more intense than what you're describing. So if it is symbols, then the fire is much more worse than Jesus Christ described. If it is just symbols, then hell is much more worse than what the symbols describe because symbols only talk about what it might be like to try to liken it to. Now you're listening to a pastor that I believe that where the Bible says fire, it means fire. You're listening to a pastor that where the Bible says they, that the man was in torments in the flame, the rich man, that's exactly what the Bible says. Your, your pastor believes the Bible says what it means and means what it says. I believe there is an infernal of fire. I believe there is a place of judgment that's beyond description, real fire, real pain, real agony, real suffering. I believe that's true. I believe it's true that people will burn and there will be an agonizing flame forever and ever and ever and ever. There are commentators and preachers today that believe the lake of fire is not where people are thrown into, but rather the lake of fire is a border, a surrounding that allows the captives to not cross because of the lake of fire. I believe the Bible says it's very clearly they were cast into, not beside or not in the center of a, of a um, place of refuge, they were cast into the lake of fire. There's a difference between in and out. There's a difference between into and not into. There's a difference between the two. Amen? Why don't we just take the Bible? You say, well, that's just so, so horrifying. I know. It is horrifying. But we need to stop and think that the God who created heaven and earth came to stop our horror, to stop our devastation. He came to give us eternal life. And so let me bring to you some simple thoughts about hell is a real place, a place where hell is at. And uh, we want to kind of locate it. And I begin by saying hell's location is deep down 
inside of the earth. Now, I want to start make a, a few uh, analogies as we get started. First of all, we need to understand the angels. Before we understand hell, we need to understand the fallen angels. And I want to just share, first of all, God created the angels before he created man. God created the angels before he created man. You, got, you, got, you say, preacher, you got scripture for that? Job 38, verse 4 through 7, when God hung the world, made the foundations of the earth, the morning stars sang for joy when, the, when God created the heavens and the earth. We know that when Adam and Eve were deceived in, uh, Eve deceived in Genesis, um, in the beginning, we know that Lucifer had already fallen. We know according to the 14th chapter of Isaiah and the 28th chapter of Ezekiel, Lucifer had already fallen. We know according to the scriptures that Jesus Christ said, I beheld Satan fall uh, like lightning. I saw him like lightning fall from heaven. I, I believe that's around the 10th chapter of the book of Matthew. And so we need to understand today that angels were created before man. Angels also sinned before man. Thus God created a place of punishment for angels. Now when God created hell, I don't know. But I know that anything exists is created by God. Nobody creates anything except God. God is the creator. And so we know that God created a place called hell. I contend that it's caverns and it is massive hollow places in the heart of the earth. In fact, Matthew chapter 12 says that when Jesus died, he went into the heart of the earth and led the captivities captive out and gave gifts to men, according to Ephesians chapter four as well. So we know that hell is downward. When you say, where is hell? Automatically your finger goes whoop. And when you say heaven, automatically your finger goes whoop. Amen, hello. And when, you, when your arms droop down, they're pointing down to hell, but when your hands are raised high, they're lifted to heaven. And so the angels did sin. They left their first estate and they committed sin. Lucifer, Satan was in a fallen state when he tempted Eve to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so God prepared, and I'm, and I'm not taking this out of context, verse 41, Jesus Christ said, depart from me, ye that are cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So we know by that statement that the everlasting fire was not prepared for man, but prepared for the devil and his angels. Amen. Come on now. We know that hell is a product of the disobedient, wicked angels that fell from heaven. You can look at some of these things and understand in Matthew 25, verse 41, we read, look at 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, and 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 says, for if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Look at Jude, Jude verse, verse six. 
And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he had reserved in everlasting change under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. So we know by what Peter said, and we know by what Jesus said, and we know by what Jude said, that the angels, many of them, are bound today in the recesses of the darkness of the earth. I, when, when God cast Lucifer out of heaven, he cast him to the earth. Devastation took place. I don't know when the holes and the caverns and the caves took place on the earth, maybe at the flood, maybe before the flood, but I know that there's deep recesses. Man has never went to the center of the earth, but we know down deep in the earth is buried within it demonic powers and demonic angelic fallen creatures. In court, of course, in Revelation chapter nine, it says there were four angels that were loosed and they came out from down deep below the great Euphrates River. They're talking about demonic locusts, demon locusts coming out of Revelation chapter nine. And the bottomless pit was opened up and they came out by swarms of demon locusts, by swarms, and they came from the pit of the earth. They came out of a place called, that we know of as hell. Also, uh, they had a leader, a king over them. Um, I believe the name was Abaddon and Apollyon. Abaddon, the Greek, I think, or or the Hebrew was uh, destroyer. Apollyon, uh, the uh, Greek, was destroyer. So both names meant destroying. And we know that John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief, Jesus Christ said, which is the devil, comes to seek, uh, to uh, kill and destroy. He comes to destroy. Lucifer comes to destroy. Jesus Christ said, I saw Lucifer, I saw Satan fall uh, like lightning. I saw him like lightning fall from heaven to the earth. There was destruction. We know that a third of the angels According to the red dragon in Revelation chapter 12, that Lucifer was successful in dragging a third of the angels down to earth by his tail, meaning a, a rebellion against God. Well, during that rebellion, God created a place called hell. That place called hell is not only a place that we call hell, but the wages of sin begins a place called Sheol. Sheol, or Sheol, is the Hebrew word for where the righteous and the unrighteous go when they die. The word Sheol is a Hebrew word which actually means the grave. David, King David, the prophets of the old, they didn't understand what we understand because of Jesus' information, his enlightenment that he brought to us, but they understood that when someone died, they went to the grave, to Sheol. And the grave also included hell. Now, when Jesus comes, he brings a Greek word called Hades. Hell is called Hades. Hades, Hades means, if you look it up, it means a, a wicked, uh, demonic ruler in the underground world. It means a place where under the ground and the underworld, there is demonic. It's called Hades. Now, in the book of uh, in the book of uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 19 and on, it talks about uh, hell. And it talk, Jesus Christ said there was a rich man 
who died. He lifted up his eyes in hell, being in torment. Lazarus was comforted. Uh, he had died. The angels took him to, uh, to, to paradise. And, and uh, the rich man died. And, and the demons dragged him to um, the place of torture in the place called Hades. Now, this hell is a place where there was a division. Actually, there's several compartments to hell. The earth is riddled with compartments where many demons are bound by the power of God. But before, the, before Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary and before he rose again from the grave, everyone who died, whether they were righteous or unrighteous, everyone who died went to the place called Hades, but in Hades was a place called paradise. And Abraham was where Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom. And in that place called paradise, it was a holding place of love and peace and joy and, and, and much presence of God. And in that holding place, they're there in a place called paradise. Remember Jesus Christ said to the thief on the cross, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And the day that Jesus died, that thief went to him, went with Jesus. Actually, he went to, uh, Jesus went first and then the, uh, the guy on the cross, the thief came shortly behind him into the place called paradise. So during that time, this Hades was a place, you can see the compartment. Remember, Lazarus said to, um, uh, the rich man said, to Abraham, well, send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in these flames. Remember, Abraham said, no, 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 no. There's a great gulf fix between us. There's a, two compartments here. And the saints of God are held in a place called paradise and the wicked and the sinful are in a place of torment where the rich man tormented was in torment in Luke chapter 16. Now, you say, well, preacher, why didn't the saints that were Christians, or not Christians, but saints of the Lord, believers in God, believers in the Lamb, why didn't they go straight to heaven? Because they were not permitted to go to heaven yet. Heaven is, there, there had not been a place prepared for them in heaven yet. Someone called Jesus Christ had to come, the Son of God, to prepare a place for them. And so Jesus Christ comes to the earth to prepare a place for them. And when he died, he, he descended, according to the fourth chapter of Ephesians, he descended into the heart of the earth. But when he died, Jesus Christ went, according to Peter, he went to preach to the spirits in prison to announce that the victory had been done. And when Jesus Christ arose from the grave, he took with him those that were in paradise, that that were trusting the Lamb, he took with them to heaven. Everybody else was lost. that was lost stayed in Hades, in hell. Today, only lost people are in hell. Even before that, it was Christians or believers, Jewish believers, that were in paradise. Let me explain some things to you as we go a little further because um, I, I really believe that we need to understand the, the wording that was used for, for, for hell. Sheol, of course, was the grave. They didn't have an understanding that was the grave and hell combined. Jesus Christ says, let me give you a little window and let me show you what happens after death. That's found in Luke chapter 16, verse 19 and on. So Jesus gives a little window. It says, when Lazarus died, he was taken by the angels to Abraham's bosom, a place called paradise. 
But when the rich man died, he, his body was buried, but he was taken into a place called torments. And he describes the, the negative part of the rich man, his agonizing, his, his, his torture. He describes the comfort and the peace that Lazarus had because he had put his faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, now, now listen to me, Jesus Christ is the only one that ever, ever gave us a pure, clear picture of the afterlife. Jesus is the only one that ever gave us a clear picture of what happens upon death, the physical death. And Jesus explains that to us. Now, Sheol is the Old Testament word for grave. It takes in the righteous and the unrighteous when they go to the grave. You've heard, I'm sure you've heard the reading in the scriptures when you've read that they went to their place or they were buried to the, with their fathers. It meant the grave, Sheol. A lot of your false cults today will try to tell you, well, hell is just Sheol. It's just a grave. It's not, you know, it's not a place of torment. But Jesus came along and said, wait, 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 whoa! Jesus says, whoa, 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 whoa. The rich man in hell lifted up his eyes. He said, well, that's just a parable. Well, if it's a parable, it's still as bad or worse than it could possibly be. It's not a parable, but if it is, it's still, it's still a bad story. Still a true story. Parables are just kind of symbols. That, but I don't think it was a parable because Jesus used a certified name. He said Lazarus. So he called out a name. A Lazarus that's in the place of paradise. And so we call that Hades. Now, if you look it up in the dictionary, encyclopedia, they'll say it's the God of death or the God of the underworld taking his soul. But let me, let me say real quickly, if you got this picture of Hollywood's devil, red underwear and a pitchfork, he's running hell. You got this picture of the devil running hell. No, the devil's not even in hell right now. Did you hear me? The devil's not even in hell right now. But when he gets there, he's going to wail and cry and sob and, and hurt just like any other fallen creature. He will be judged. He will not be the leader of hell. He'll be the victim of hell. And he'll be the most unpopular person in hell. So you look at the Hades, and then Jesus, when we read the scriptures, I hope I'm not boring you. I hope you're, I hope you're grabbing this because this means a lot that you understand where Jesus was coming from. Hades just simply meant hell, that we know of hell. And then when Jesus mentioned in Matthew 25, he was talking about Gehenna in the valley of Hittim. Now, the Valley of Hinnom or Gehenna was the place in the old city, Jerusalem, where they burned. In fact, uh, Ahab burned children to the god Moloch in the Valley of Hinnom. The Valley of Hinnom was the place where they put their city refuge, their trash, and there was a constant fire burning there all the time. There was constant burning in the Valley of Hinnom. It was called Gehenna because when the garbage is being burned, 
when the smoke continues to go up, where the fire never stops, there's a constant dumping of refuge into that valley of Hinnom, and it burns, and the smoke goes up, and the stench, and there's maggots under the coals, and there's, there's worms everywhere, and there's, there's dying, there's stench, there's, the, the fire never goes out. That's what Jesus was referring to when he talked about everlasting fire prepared for the devils and his angels. He was referring to Gehenna. And he also was referring to Gehenna in Mark chapter 9, where he says, The worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. If your eye offend thee, pluck it out. It's better to enter into life with one eye than into hellfire, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. He gives, a, he gives us a, 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 a picture, a horrific picture, that you don't want to go to this place called hell. You do, hell is a place. And, and, God made this place. And of course, there's the grave, and beneath the grave is, is, uh, um, is the uh, uh, place where um, at one time paradise was, now paradise is in heaven, Hades, and in Hades there's the place called hell, and then down deep in the recesses of the earth is also demons and fallen angels that are in outer darkness that are chained and by chains of darkness and they're there awaiting the great judgment of God. So Gehenna is the place where there's burning constantly. The Jewish people understood that. And Jesus Christ said, just like the old city Jerusalem, We'll have a place of constant burning and the worm dies not and the refuge and the smoke of torment rises up. Just like the old city of Jerusalem will have that, the new holy city of Jerusalem also will outside of it have a lake of fire. And that's why the Bible says in chapter 20 that whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Then you have Tartarus. Tartarus is another word that Peter used for hell. And he used, the, I read the scriptures to you already about the, the, the angels that kept not their first estate. Some of that would be connected to the Noah's flood. Others can be connected that some people just really ticked God off during that time. Some of the angels just really ticked God off. And God said, you're going to go into the lowest part of hell. And, it, and it's, the word used there by Peter was Tartarus. And what it means is the abyss, basuso. And it means the, the abyss. It's also mentioned in the eighth chapter of Luke. Remember when Jesus Christ came upon the demoniac of Gadara? And remember when he cried out uh, with agony and Jesus Christ asked him, what is your name? He asked, asked the demon-possessed uh, demon person, what is your name? Remember that? And in the eighth chapter uh, um, of Luke, it talks about, he said, my name is Legion, for we are many. And the demons begged Jesus Christ in Luke 8, 31, to not send them to the deep, or don't send us to the abyss, the deep. And they begged Jesus not to send them because, you see, those demons knew that they had some buddies in a place they didn't want to go. Now, it's bad when you've got a demon that want to fellowship with another demon. It's bad when a bunch of demons that were driving a man crazy felt too good to be with the demons that were bound in chains and darkness. But we understand there's a, there's a, a, a huge group of people, uh, demons, that are 
when I say people, angels, fallen angels that are kept in reserve for the great judgment of God. Because of this, we must at any cost, we must avoid hell at any cost. And that's why Jesus came over and over again saying, yes, hell is real. Jesus came along and said, yes, hell is a place. Jesus came along and said, it's so bad. It's like a furnace of fire. It's so bad. It's outer darkness. It's so bad that the worm died not, the fire is not quenched. It's so bad that the torment and the pain, well, you'll chew your tongue for pain. You'll gnash your teeth. It's so bad that it's like an infernal raging fire. It's a furnace. It's a place of brimstone and sulfur. It's so bad. It's like a lake of fire. It's so bad. It's like the Valley of Gehenna. It's so bad and there's no way out and there's no way to escape. If you die without the shed blood of Jesus Christ, if you die without the forgiveness and the hand of God, you go to hell. And that's a place you do not want to go. And Jesus Christ came to earth so that you and I do not, will not, and will never have to go to that place. Isn't that beautiful? And so at all costs, Jesus Christ said in Mark 9, at all costs, cut your hand off. You have to, if it's stealing, cut your hand off. Now, I understand the heart is the one that makes the hand steal. I understand that the heart is what makes the eye lust. I understand that the heart is the one that makes the feet go the wrong place. But Jesus Christ says, it's, it's so bad. This place is so bad. Jesus Christ said it would be better for you to reach your finger in behind your eye and pull your eyeball out and throw it as hard as you can away from you than to go into hell with two eyes where the fire is not quenched, the worm died not, and the fire is not quenched. That's in the ninth chapter of the book of Mark. Jesus said it's so bad that it'd be better for you to take an ax or a sword and cut your hand off and let the blood spew and dip your stub arm into hot coals of fire to sear so that you won't bleed to death. Be better for you to do that than to enter into this place called hell. Wow. Now, it breaks my heart to think about this. It bothers me. I, I am mentally and spiritually disturbed about this. I'm bothered about this. I don't enjoy talking about this. In the words of Charles Spurgeon, he, he was telling his preacher boys, teaching them how to preach, and he was telling them, when you preacher boys preach on heaven and hell, he said, when you preach on heaven, let your face glow and have a, a, a beautiful smile. Let radiant flow from your face. But he says, you boys, when you preach hell, your face will do. We live in a world that's full of sorrow and full of pain. You need to understand that Jesus Christ came to keep us from having to go to this place. Hell is a place. Earth is riddled with chambers of demon spirits. Hell is riddled, the atmosphere is riddled with demon spirits, evil spirits. The earth is riddled with, that's why in chapter 20, God creates a new heaven and a new 
earth and all the demons and the devil and all the wicked are cast into the lake of fire and outside the holy city Jerusalem will be like the lake of fire like Gehenna it's all done now if I were you and I wasn't sure I was saved I wouldn't wait for the preacher to quit preaching I'd run up here and I'd do whatever's necessary to be forgiven of my sins. Amen? Let me, let me come. We're going to bring this to a close, but let me say this. God prepared heaven for man. He made hell for the fallen angels, but God prepared heaven for man. That's why Jesus Christ said, let not your heart be troubled in John 14. If you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare that place for you, I will come again and receive you home. That where I am, there you may be also. And so Jesus Christ prepared himself and prepared us a way to go to heaven. I want to show you something. Hebrews 10, verse 5 through 10. Hebrews 10, verse 5 through 10. Did you know God prepared Jesus a body to come to earth and take care of man's sins? Did you know God prepared Jesus a body to come so that you and I would never have to go to the place called hell? We'd never have to go to that place. Look at verse uh, 5 through 10, Hebrews 10. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifices and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. God prepared, the Father prepared a body for his son, Jesus Christ. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. In burnt offerings, verse 6, and sacrifices for sin thou hast no pleasure, but then said, I lo, I come in the volume of a book. It is written to me. Here it is. This is the volume of the book. It's written to me. To do God's will. To do thy will, O God. Above when he had said sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings of, for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. In other words, God says you're not going to get there by being goody-goody two-shoes. You're not going to get there by your energy. Verse 9, then said he, lo, that word lo means, look, behold, lo. Notice it says, I come to do thy will, O God, to take away the first, that's the Old Testament covenant, the old Mosaic law, I come to take away the first, not the law, but to take away the ritual, the sacraments of the old law, that he may establish the second, the second is the New Testament, this right here. He established a new and living way. Verse 10, by which, will we, which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Now, if you, if you feel like shouting right now, it'd be a good place to shout. Because Jesus Christ took care of the, you and I to be able to, we don't have to go to the place called hell. We don't have to go. Hell is a place. We don't have to go there. Heaven's a place. We can go there. 
God prepared his son Jesus a body. And his son Jesus came to earth. And his son, uh, God the Father sent his son, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Look at John chapter 10, verse 18. No man taketh it from me. He's talking about his life. Dying on the cross. But I lay it down of myself on the cross, Jesus speaking. I have power to lay it down, that is, on the cross. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. So what did the Father tell Jesus? The Father told Jesus... Man has a problem. His problem is he's going to go to the same place that the fallen angels are going if you don't and we don't do something about it. Man has a problem because I made hell for the devil and his angels, the lake of fire for the devil and his angels. And so God says, we got to make a plan and I got to prepare a body for you, my son. And Jesus was... God was in Jesus Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And God tells his son, Jesus Christ, you go down there to earth. You go down there and gather the sheep. You go down there and share my word. You go down there and tell them about my love. You go down there and tell them about my power. You go down there and tell them about my strength. You go down there and tell them that I love them. You go down there and tell them that I care for them. You go down there and tell them and warn them about hell. Warn them about the fire. Warn them about the furnace. Warn them about Gehenna. Warn them about Hades. Warn them about the furnace of fire. Warn them about the judgment. Warn them about the angels doom and tell them that you've got a remedy for them. And God says to his son, you go to the cross and you lay your life down and you die on that cross. You tell them about my love. You, you heal the sick. You raise the dead. You come and change the world by your name. You come and change from uh, AD to BC, from BC to AD. You come and change it all. You come and give the world hope. You flood the world with love. You flood the world with light, my son. And Jesus Christ comes and floods the world with light and life and joy and goodness. And the Father says, go down there. Die on the cross of Calvary. Shed your blood. Get up from the grave and come home and sit down by my side. And whoever will call on your name, I'll I'll bring them to heaven. You prepare them a place. Amen? I don't know about you. That, that makes me really happy. It's true that hell will be crowded. But let me say this. Hell will be crowded, but heaven will be full. Now, I know that the 14th chapter of Luke says... God said over and over, Jesus Christ said over and over again, go tell them. Tell them all things are ready. Go tell them the, the table spread. Go tell them and go into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. That my house may be what? Filled. And so we go out and tell the world about Jesus so the house will be filled. Get it out of your head. Get it out of your head that heaven's going to be half full. Get it out of your head that heaven's going to have 10% dwelling space. Get it out of your head. Heaven is going to be full. Hell will be crowded. Hell will be crowded with sorrow and shame. Hell will be crowded with agony and pain. 
Hell will be crowded with filth and sewage, but heaven will be filled with laughter and joy and peace and light and glory. Hell will be, will be crowded with anguish and fear and unbelief, but heaven will be filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hell will be crowded with despair and darkness and, and, and failure and fear and agony, but heaven will be filled with joy, everlasting life, peace, and the glory of God flooding your soul. Remember this, hell will be crowded, but heaven will be full. And I want to say to everybody in this room, you need to get on board because I intend to be one of those that fills up heaven. You cannot tell me that God will be defeated in getting his house full. It will be full. He'll fill it with the millions of people that get saved in the great tribulation. He'll fill it with the millions that's been saved in the past. He'll fill it with people that come to Christ today. I'm grateful for the fact that though hell will be crowded, though hell will be crowded with despair and depression and loneliness and fear, hell will be crowded with anguish and hopelessness, but heaven will be filled with the goodness of God. And I want to say to everybody in this room, if you're not a Christian, break out of the crowd of hell. Break loose from the crowd that's sending you to hell. Break loose from the sin that's holding you back. Break loose from the crowdedness of unbelief. Break loose from the crowd of filth and shame and lust and sin. Break loose from the crowd of hell and come to the fullness of Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus who died on the cross of Calvary, rose again from the grave and lives today sitting at the right hand of God the Father. You can come and that place called hell. That hell is a place doesn't terrify the child of God. Why? Because Jesus Christ came down here to reverse all the devastation of Satan. And though this earth is full of chambers of wickedness and evil, though this earth is full of places where angels are bound, demonic angels, sinful angels, rebellious angels are bound, Though this world is full of demons and this world is full of sorrow and sickness, though this world has chambers such as Hades, such as Sheol, the grave, though this world has, has Gehenna, the dumps and the debris of, of dying and death and pain and sorrow, though this world has a place of Tartus where demons are bound awaiting judgment, I've got some good news. I've got some good news. Jesus Christ came to prepare a place for you and I. And he said, if I go to prepare that place, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. And heaven will be filled. Heaven will be full. So the basis of the message tonight is, as we start our series on hell, the basis of the message tonight is, hell is a place. Jesus said it is. Hell is a place that cannot be ignored. Hell is a place that's real. Hell is a place just like heaven is a place. Hell is a place just like earth is a place. 
Hell is a place just like your home is a place. Hell is a place just like where you live is a place. Hell is a place. It's a place that was created, that was made, that was prepared for the devil and his fallen angels. And those of us that have been crowded in by the effects of Lucifer, I'm glad to announce to you today I broke, from, I broke loose from the crowd. I got loose from the crowd. I broke loose from the crowd of drug addiction. I broke loose from the crowd of drunkenness. I broke loose from the crowd of unbelief. I broke loose from the crowd of seeking pleasure and, and uh, 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 horrendous desires of the flesh. I broke loose from, from my fears and my unbelief. I broke loose from the crowd of hell. And today I step into the fullness of God and will go into the full presence of God because God the Father said to his son, you go down there. I prepare your body. You can walk among men, raise the dead, heal the sick, walk on the water, perform miracles, raise the dead, tell people about my love, tell people about my grace, warn them about this place called hell. Tell them that hell is a place. Tell them about it, warn them about it, and tell them you'll go to the cross, and you go to the cross. You shed your blood. You die on the cross of Calvary. You shed your blood for the sins of the world. You go to the grave. You break uh, You break Sheol. You break uh, Hades. You break the, 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 the down and out. You break it all. You, you crumble the Gehenna. You crumble uh, Tartus. You show the demons that you are Lord. You show the world that you are Lord. You announce to the spirits of prison that you are Lord. And when you raise again from the grave, come home. Sit down at my right hand and tell the world, come on home. Come on home. I've prepared a place for you. Wow. I know I'm going to heaven. But if you don't know that you're going to heaven... Jesus Christ said this place, hell is a place. Jesus Christ said it's so bad that you should do whatever is necessary to keep from going there. And Jesus Christ did what you couldn't do. He forgives you through his blood and through his righteousness and through his grace. All Jesus Christ asks you to do is break from the crowd. Break away from the crowd of hell and come to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ will do the rest. Jesus Christ is simply saying this, you furnish the sinner, I'll furnish the Savior. You can't beat a deal like that. Jesus says, you furnish the sinner and I'll furnish the Savior. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. You say, well, what I do? You just gotta put your all in the arms of Jesus. Trust him. For Jesus will fill the house of God. Jesus will fill the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven as a bride adorned for a husband. Jesus Christ will fill heaven with saints of God that don't deserve to go there, but thank God we're going to go because Jesus Christ came to prepare a place for us. What is Jesus coming to earth all about? Was it so that you could be rich? Was Jesus coming to earth so that you could have a new car and a nice home? Was it, did Jesus come to the earth so you could have your best life now? 
Why did, why did Jesus Christ come to earth? Did he come to earth so you could feel good about yourself and you could be victorious? And although Jesus helps us be victorious, but why did he come to earth? He came to earth because hell is a place. That's why he came. Hell is a place. He came to be our savior. He came to be our redeemer. And what the fallen angels and Lucifer messed up, what the devil and, uh, and the demons and the wicked uh, fallen angels messed up, Jesus corrected. And you say, well, I can't believe that God would make a hell and make people burn in hell forever. He didn't make it for you. He didn't make it for me. He made it for the devil and his fallen angels. And Jesus is cutting you off at the pass saying, look, just break away from the crowd. Just come to me. I'll take you home. Just follow me. Just follow me, Jesus says. I'll take you home. Just trust me. I'll take you home. That's the kind of God we serve. Amen. Woo! Praise the Lord. I don't have to go to hell. You don't have to go to hell. But hell is a place. It's a place like 3081 Selma Road. This church is a place. Hell is a literal place. And it was made for the devil and his angels. And it's, I think it's just riddled with deep caverns and caves in the earth down deep. You say, can you explain everlasting change of darkness? Yeah, I can explain it. I went so deep into a cave and they turned the lights out. You're not moving. I mean, your nose could be itching, but you wouldn't reach up and scratch it because you can't find your nose. I've been in places where it was so dark. Did you know it, when it gets so dark that you, there's no light there and you can't even find your nose, let alone scratch your nose if a bug got on it. And it's so deep and dark, bugs are not even down there. Let me tell you, friends, you're not going to skip. You're not going to walk. You're just barely going to breathe because you're not going to see and you're not going to hear. You're going to be in darkness. And that's the way the devils, that's what the fallen angels are. They're in chains of darkness. They can't even move. They're paralyzed until the judgment day of God. Now, I can see now that this, this series on hell as a place is going to be interesting the next couple of Wednesdays. But I just wanted to, I really felt like I needed to get this over to you and those that watch us on live stream and those that are on YouTube. I need to get this over to you. Hell is a place, but it wasn't made for you and I. It wasn't made for man. It was made for the devil. Made for fallen angels. Because Jesus came to make a place for us. And it's far, far better. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus Christ said, I come to prepare to prepare a place for you. He did that, didn't he? He came to prepare a place for you. He said, well, I don't think he should have prepared hell. He prepared it for the fallen angels and the devil. He didn't prepare it for you. He prepared heaven for you. He prepared everything you need to miss that place. Through his son, Jesus Christ. You say, what I do? Whatever's necessary. 
run to the altar. Whatever, what I do, whatever's necessary. Whatever you got to do, miss this place that is hell. Whatever you got to do, at all costs, do not go to hell. That's what Jesus Christ was saying. What does it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus over and over said again and again, hell is a place. It's horrifying. Don't go there. Stand with me. Hell is a place. It's horrifying. Don't go there. So, well, I mess up sometimes. I, I, I sin sometimes. I, I mess up sometimes in what I'm doing. Well, when you mess up, then get blessed up in the presence of the Lord. Ask God for forgiveness. If you have to spend the rest of your life sobbing, blowing snot out of your nose, crying and weeping before God, if you have to spend the rest of your life crying, telling the Lord, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, do it. Whatever it takes, do it. Do not leave this planet unrepented. Do not leave this planet without your place secured in heaven. And Jesus secures it for us. Amen. My job isn't to get to heaven. My job is to get to Jesus. He'll take me to heaven. My job isn't to work my way to heaven. My job isn't to earn heaven. I'm not, I'm not using my Bible as a road map to go to heaven. I'm using my Bible to find Jesus. Jesus is going to take me there. I have a, I have a first class scout. I have a first class uh, guy that's going to take me. His name is Jesus. He knows the way. He's been there several times. He made the place. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. He's God there. He can find his way here. And he can find his way back home with us. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to give an invitation. Josh going to play and sing. My, I guess the final statement would be this. Whatever it takes. Whatever you have to do. Don't go to hell because it is a place. It is a place. Go to heaven because heaven is a place. And Jesus determines who goes to heaven and he determines who goes to hell which is a place. All is open.